You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. Good morning to all of you. Um, Whether you're here in the church building, whether you're watching on the live stream, or maybe even catching up on the podcast later, um, it's lovely to be with you all. Um, Do I sound okay? Yeah, great. Um, As Joe said, my name's Elizabeth. Um, I started coming to Oasis Bath with my partner Chris back in December 2019. So our experience here has pretty much been the pandemic, really. So I guess most of you probably don't know me very well yet. So um, for now, here's um, a fact about me to be going on with. Um, This man who I'm sure you all recognise as Gareth Southgate, um, manager of the England football team, is one of my absolute heroes. Um, And this has nothing whatsoever to do with football. Sorry, Rob. Um, But more of Gareth later. Um, As Joe said, uh, as part of our What If series, we're reflecting this morning on the theme of Mark chapter 10, um, What If the last are first. Um, And of course, this comes from Jesus' words to his disciples. Many who are first will be last, and the last first. And like a lot of Jesus' sayings, it's not straightforward, is it? Um, He turns social, economic, cultural norms on their head. And in doing so, he asks us to do some radical thinking, to see things differently, um, and then perhaps to change the way we live. And and that's not not necessarily comfortable, is it? But I do think it is exciting. And I don't know about you, but just at the moment, um, the way the world is going sometimes makes me feel pretty downcast. Um, But it does lift my spirits to imagine how different things might be when we really pay attention to the things that Jesus has to say. So uh, let's dive in together and see where we get to with this week's What If?, We live um, in a society that is status-obsessed, that judges people um, in terms of their status and influence. And and I guess there are probably many of us here who have been hurt um, by exactly that kind of judgment, that way of seeing and valuing people. I wonder who springs to mind for you when you think about those who are first. Certainly, um, in worldly terms, here's um, a few examples. So, yes, so we're looking at these pictures of people who might, in worldly terms, be considered as amongst the first. So the great, the powerful, the wealthy, influential leaders in politics, business, religion, social media even. Um, But the people on this slide um, are really pretty extreme examples of power and wealth, I think. And that, in a way, makes it easy for us to step back and to disassociate ourselves from them. Um, And yet, these words of Jesus are spoken to his disciples, to ordinary people like you and me. And I'd suggest that at some level, status is actually important to every one of us. It makes me think about um, those two brothers, the disciples James and John, who asked Jesus um, to give them the highest positions of honour 
on his right and on his left. And in the Gospel of Matthew, actually, um, the brothers ask their mum to go and ask Jesus for them, and that always makes me smile. But I wonder, um, are there ways in which we are framing our own lives around a similar question or similar questions? You know, it might be in our working lives. Will we get promotion? Will we get a different job title or more money? More ways to prove our success to ourselves and to others. It might be in our friendship groups. Am I the most popular? It might be these days, and often is, I think, on social media. Um, You know, how many views do I get? How many likes do I get? And speaking of, uh, as one of four siblings, um, I can also testify to the fact that sometimes that jostling for status is true in families as well. You You might experience that too. So... The question is, I guess, are we measuring our worth and the worth of others in terms of status and success? How much is my sense of identity um, dependent on how others see me, um, or at least how I think they see me? And um, I was mentioning to someone this morning, I'm thinking of retiring next year after 40-odd years of working life. And um, although the thought of having more time to do some of the things I love is really very appealing, at the same time, I'm aware that my status will change um, as I let go of a role, a job title, um, and relinquish the recognition that I get for my experience and expertise. I wonder where I'll derive my sense of purpose and value then. How will I answer that loaded question that we often ask each other? So, what do you do? Um, I guess some of you will have been through this already, so uh, maybe afterwards you can give me some helpful tips about how to approach retirement. So that's um, thinking about some of those who are first, maybe. But what about those who might be considered last? Um, Who are at the bottom of the heap in terms of status? And it's heartbreakingly easy, I think, to think of people who might be considered as the last in worldly terms. Those who are poor, marginalised, powerless, oppressed, the overlooked, the voiceless, the lonely. Um, Those who um, experience discrimination for all sorts of reasons. All of those that society sees as having very little value. I'm sure you can think of many more examples than the ones that I've shown here, and and maybe there are ways in which you even identify with that group yourself. It's really hard to imagine, isn't it, how those two groups, the first and the last, could possibly be reversed. And Jesus clearly isn't talking about a simple reversal of fortune. So let's have a look together at, at what he does have to say about status. So I'm, I'm just going to read uh, these verses from Mark 10, um, 17 to 27. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. 
It's a beautiful image, isn't it? Um, a very vivid picture of what it might mean for the last to be first. Um, back in ancient Mediterranean society, children really were at the bottom of the pile. They were powerless, they were voiceless, um, at the bottom of, of the economic and social scale in every way. Vulnerable, dependent, having to trust in others to meet all their needs. And sadly, I think it's true that there are children in that situation still today. The disciples um, saw the children as a bit of a nuisance, an irrelevance, really. Um, and yet Jesus is so different. He welcomes them. He shows them special care. He calls them to himself um, and blesses them, just as he does all the powerless, the vulnerable, and the despised. I think it's clear from Jesus' words and from his behavior um, that in the kingdom of God, no value is placed on status, on influence, power, or wealth. Instead, Jesus encourages his disciples, and I think by extension, all of us, to come like little children if we want to be at the heart of the kingdom of God. But what does that look like? Um, to be childless means that we have to let go of that desire for status. Sorry, to be childlike requires us to let go of that desire for status. Um, and I'm not trying to say that dreams and ambitions and that desire to grow and develop are wrong in themselves. Um, you know, many of the young people here, for example, will be reflecting on their lives and where they want to go in life. And that's absolutely natural. But I think it's more a question of perceiving that our true value lies in being beloved, welcome, blessed children of God loved simply for who we are. I think it's important just to take a moment together to let that really sink in. We are children of God, loved simply for who we are. The, um, the well-known writer C.S. Lewis um, says that it's not about thinking less of ourselves, because that way leads to insecurity. It's actually um, thinking of ourselves less and therefore thinking of others more. Um, I think we're called, um, just as Jesus in the wilderness, to resist the temptation to see our value and the value of other people in terms of what we do, what we have, or what others think of us. Paradoxically, I think, letting go of that desire for status frees us up to discover true greatness in the humility of recognizing that like a child, we are dependent on the love and strength and power of God. And that's a humility um, that Jesus himself models for us. So as promised, um, we're coming back to uh, one of my heroes, Gareth Southgate. The priest and writer and theologian Henri Nguyen, um, speaking from his own painful experience, said, in order to demonstrate humility, you need first to have experienced humiliation. And Gareth Southgate is a man who's been shaped by the very public humiliation he experienced when he missed a penalty in the semi-finals of Euro 96. Apparently, um, people still raise that with him in the street after all these years. 
And yet, although that experience clearly marked him, um, it hasn't defined him. And instead, I think he's gone on to be one of the most respected managers in football and, and even beyond the world of football. And um, thanks to Joe for passing this on to me, here's what um, Gary Neville, the football pundit, coach and, and former player, has said about Gareth Southgate. The standard of leaders in this country the past couple of years has been poor. Looking at that man, he's everything a leader should be. Respectful, humble, he tells the truth. <laughs> How refreshing is that? <laughs> and as a leader, um, he has real humility that's based on his own life experience. So um, he credits others for success. He's not afraid to take responsibility for failure. He has great respect for the unique contribution that each person brings and creates this environment where others can flourish and develop their own potential. He believes strongly that leaders have a responsibility to use their voice in support of those who don't have a voice, to work for a fairer and more inclusive society, and perhaps one where, indeed, the, the last are first. And he talks about the importance of keeping on our, our eyes on what matters most, and he doesn't mean winning. Um, and it's interesting that this kind of humble leadership uh, has become really a, a recognised um, leadership style in recent times. I think that's quite encouraging. And I think that it encourages us to believe that in the hands of God, those painful experiences of humiliation that we have, the failures uh, that mark us in some way, can become seeds that will grow and bear fruit in our lives and in the lives of those around us. So, as we close, just some thoughts on what if. What if the last are first? What might our world look like? What if no one was judged by the usual measures of perceived success? What if the value of those of lowly status was recognised and celebrated? What if the voiceless had a voice? What would we learn from their voices? What if we saw ourselves and all people through God's eyes as uniquely valued, beloved, welcome and blessed children of God? What kind of world would that be? a beautiful thought. Um, I'm going to finish now uh, with some prayer and we're going to use um, some questions for reflection to help us um, in our prayers. And I'm just going to leave, you've had a lot of words from me, so I'm just going to leave some space around those questions as we pray for you to allow God to speak to you through them. And maybe one of them might be particularly um, resonating with you this morning and you might want to take that away with you um, to reflect on in um, the days and weeks ahead. So let's pray. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.